but you can actually change whatever you're feeling in a heartbeat. So if you just kind of sometimes reframe some of that, say, no, this is going to be a positive experience. So I am going to meet people. They, they do want to meet me. You can actually change how you feel. Welcome to Careers in Fashion. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. My name's Connell and I work with the Graduate Futures team here at LCF and uh, today we're going to be looking at the topic of change and how we can manage it. I'm joined by Cheryl Isaacs today who will be hosting the podcast with me. Cheryl, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi everyone, um, I'm Cheryl Isaacs. I'm a, a chartered psychologist. I've been a psychologist for about 24 years now. Uh, I've been working with UAL for a very long time, probably about 15 years of that, doing various different things from um, helping individuals, teams, um, organisations to um, reach their potential. I do a lot of uh, coaching, uh, psychometric profiling and training in these kind of wonderful subjects like resilience and impact and confidence building, you you name it. It's one of my favourite subjects. Um, whether you think you're good at adaptability or changing or not, you all you all are because we've all had to do it. Um, and this is a, a prime time for you uh, going into a, a new course or starting a degree. Um, it's a, a really great example of having to do things a little bit differently. So really looking forward to discussing some of that with you this morning. Thank you. No worries. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to it as well. And uh, we're also joined today by Lam, Maya and Madison. Guys, do you want to introduce yourselves as well? Hello, my name is Lam. I'm a first year student and I'm studying BA Fashion Marketing. Yeah, uh, I'm Madison and I've studied BA Fashion Journalism and I'm graduating this year. Yeah, so I'm Maya. I graduated from MA Fashion Journalism in 2021. Um, up until recently, I was working uh, on the content strategy team at the Business of Fashion, um, currently working freelance. Cheers. Thank you, guys. So when we're talking about change, there are often a few words that come up, such as transition, ambiguity and adaptability, as Shell mentioned. Shell, do you want to tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah. So when we talk about we often talk about change generally, I like to just distinguish between a couple of these terms. Um, the change itself is normally the, the, the is situational. So it's often the new course. It's the new place you're going to work. It's the new thing that's happening. If you if you're working, it might be the new boss. That's the change. So it's quite situational. I think what's really interesting to think about. And as a psychologist, it's something that I focus on a lot in my um, um, sort of coaching work and with teams um, is, is getting people to think to think about transition. So and transition is more about the psychological process that people go through um, to come to terms with the new situation. So I think that's more interesting to think about because that's completely different for every single person, of course. So your transition as a student going into a new course, a new job, any of these things will be completely different to the other people around you. So it's just an interesting thing to think about because um, you know it's about what you need so it's the psychological process that you will um, will go through and as I say we've been talking a lot recently about adaptability so how can we adapt to these new uh, changes and how can we make the transition a, a lot easier um, and ambiguity the word keeps coming up as you just mentioned there Connell um, I think again you know just I often 
talk about the COVID example because I think it's a, a great example of something we've all lived through together globally. Um, and that was a great example of living in a time of ambiguity. And uh, I don't know if you've heard the term VUCA. So the idea is we now live in a volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world. Sounds very scary, doesn't it? But um, you're hearing that sort of term a, a lot now. But things are very ambiguous. Things are technology is changing very quickly. Politics is changing, you know, changes very quickly these days. Global events. We're exposed to a lot more news and, and, and media. So everything seems to move very fast. So given that we're in a very ambiguous um, world, it's really, really important to understand what, you know, what we can do about that and how that affects those psychological processes that that I was talking about before. So um, an ambiguity, you know, you might be feeling that right now. So to bring it down to a personal level, you might be feeling like, where am I going? What is this new place? What's the course going to be like? You may not have all the information you need yet. You don't know who you're going to meet. It's a lot of ambiguity. So it's a lot to think through, but it's also really exciting. I don't mean that to sound uh, like it's a, a worrying thing. It's also incredibly exciting. Ambiguity can feel really exciting, but it can also, you know, um, make people a little bit nervous as well. So we're going to talk through some of the things that we can do to kind of reduce some of that ambiguity, help us adapt and help us um, through that that transition. And this is these kind of things are useful to think about, not just now as, as students, but in in the future as well for any new thing that you do yeah it can be very exciting i definitely agree with that 100 percent. i'd just like to ask what you guys think in terms of how would you define change madison do you want to kick us off yeah sure um well i think for me as i've just handed in final project um and i have graduation next week for me like the big change is definitely transitioning from being a student and now it's out into the world and actually applying for jobs um I felt like being a student was a bit of a safety blanket so I am (laughs) nervous about um going out um and applying for jobs because that's definitely going to be different than what it's been the last three years for me no yeah definitely I mean I I graduated a couple of years ago and um I'm in you know I'm now in the working world and I literally felt the exact same it is quite I guess scary in a way but as Cheryl was saying, it's, you know, it's it's the unknown. It's it's um, the ambiguity of it all. But it's also really exciting. And it's like a, you know, an entirely new stage of your life. So I think I think don't don't be scared. You know, it's it's going to be very fun. Also quite challenging. But, you know, challenges are good. Um, Lam, can I get your take on things maybe? For me, um, as an inter- international student, I think uh, the change is the environment. There are many different things about the environment, such as learning, culture, and life. Moreover, I'm from Vietnam, a country in Asia, so there are more differences between Asia and Europe. No, yeah, definitely, 100%. I mean, I can imagine coming over to Europe as well. That is such a such a big change, and throwing yourself into that. You know, massive well done to you for that. Lam, can I just ask, was that how did you feel? Were you really excited by that or did you feel very nervous? Or was it balance of both or, you know, how, how was that? Because it was such a big change and a big transition. Uh, actually, I've, it's like mix of emotion. Yeah. I, I both feel excited and also nervous, too. But actually, I, I'm really interested about this new journey in new countries. Uh, 
I always try my best to explore the new thing and understand the new culture in UK. Yeah, great. Finally, Maya, have you got anything to add at all? Yeah, I think with the events of the last couple of years um, and the way the job market is now, I think I'm trying to see change as a, an evolution as well. Um, so maybe things or themes that I didn't think I would tap into when I first graduated or things I discovered that I liked doing or um, that could be beneficial later in my career. I graduated from fashion journalism, but then I went on to do content strategy. Now I'm doing content strategy as freelance, um, which is more, you know, market research or analysis um, type work. Um, So, yeah, I think it's interesting to see how you can evolve your practice and sort of create an overarching skill set that can apply to many different things. I think that builds resilience as well in the long term. I can say I think that's a really great point about uh, change because sometimes you know we welcome the change and we're really excited about it like Lamb there you know really excited about going abroad and learn about different cultures and sometimes the change might be um, or you might be learning something where you can't really see at that point in time where that's going to be useful or or you're getting some new experiences but you're not really sure you know how you're going to use them but I suppose the you know what I would always say as a psychologist is that reframe and what you've been doing there Madison is sort of really thinking about well you know how can I use this it's a big process you know um, I might be able to uh, use some of this experience down the line maybe maybe not but always constantly thinking um, in that way and seeing the whole journey as as a process leading you to something and often you know and I found that with my career you know every young psychologist wants to be a clinical psychologist or forensic psychologist and then you do a little bit of that work and think no that's absolutely not for me and actually a lot of those experiences good and bad all led to some really great things so you know I'm always getting people to think about some of those transferable skills as well and I think that's really important as a a student so just get involved with as many things you can even if you know it's something you didn't particularly enjoy at the time you know there might be something you learn from it and there might be a, um, something you can uh, use further down the line so I think that's a really great point Madison thank you yeah and I think that's some uh, very good advice as well Cheryl just sort of make the most of it throw yourself into it so obviously each of you are at a different stage of your journeys as we've established and we've kind of touched on it a bit already but can each of you please tell me a little bit about a time you faced significant change within your journey uh, Madison, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, um, well, I think for me right now, it's a bit what I mentioned earlier, um, transitioning from being a student and now um, applying to jobs. Um, and it's definitely scary, but it's also yeah exciting in a good way, because I think if I had another year um, at uni, that wouldn't be the right thing either. So I am very much excited to go out and work, but it's constantly finding those tools to like cope with the change it's like constantly having to like seek out the social activities myself it's not I'm not just going into uni where I see all of my friends daily now I have to actually make an effort to contact people and ask oh do you want to go for coffee or do you want to have a day of writing CVs together so that's definitely also um that's one of the things I've also like struggled with a bit or it took me by surprise Um, besides the whole professional side of things, actually applying to jobs Um, and just like being resilient. We've been told 
we've had a couple of like lectures with graduate futures actually throughout um, our last unit where they were like, if you don't put yourself out there, you're not going to get the option of actually having an interview and landing a job at the end. So there will be a lot of knockbacks or setbacks, um, but it's just being resilient and having that network of people that you can go to for help. Yeah, resilience is definitely um, a key word, you know, in terms of you know that transition from university to navigating the job market you're going to experience a lot of knockbacks so yeah resilience is definitely very important it's also really important to be you know really proactive as well and it sounds like you're being very proactive so um yes you're doing all the right stuff massive well done you know when we talk about resilience um you know as a psychologist it's kind of thing that you know i get asked to talk about and people say right can you come and teach our you know workforce how to be resilient and i think it's a again it's a very individual psychological process i think resilience um you know there's loads of strategies and, and things i have loads of them up my sleeve as well on you know sort of those classic resilience tips and there's a lot of really good ones but i do think it's more important to think about well what does that you know mean to you and i think that's a very individual process that you you, you go through so you know for some people you know what they need is very very different in different situations so you know so for some people if they have the social support then they can be resilient and that will be really important for them for other people you know it would be having all the right information and and being able to and have a very clear-cut way of doing things and if they if you know if they're not in an ambiguous place if they have you know, some black and white information and have a clear route, then that will help them to be resilient. Other people are focusing more on what's the, you know, opportunity here? How can I have lots of different experiences? As long as I'm learning, that will keep me resilient. I'm quite like that. You know, I, I'm, I feel really resilient if I'm just pushing forward in one way or another. If I learn something new every day, then I feel good. And that helps me to be resilient. I think it's quite an interesting thing. Maybe we'll pick up on it again a little bit later about what what does that mean to you? Because I think if we talk about it generally, people start thinking, oh, I, you know, I'm not resilient like my friend. She's she's great. She can just put herself out there and apply for 20 roles. And if she doesn't get them, then, you know, she's absolutely fine with that. But I'm not like that. How can I be resilient? So you know, but actually where you might build your own resilience is saying, OK, what what is that I need to do? I need to have an action plan every single day. I need to know where I am with these things. I need some support. I need some detail. You know, I need the bigger picture. A lot of people will really need to know what the bigger picture is and sort of work backwards. So, yeah, maybe there's some things we could pick up on. But I just thought it was, a again, an interesting point to to maybe think about because we use these terms and we throw them around but I think they're very different for every single person. That was really really interesting actually I've never really I've never actually really thought of it like that in terms of everyone has different ways of Mm. being resilient so um yeah Yeah. that was a really interesting take. Um Maya do you have anything to feed in on this at all? Yeah I can think of a couple of examples from my own experience. So first of all, leading up to my master's um, in fashion, I was working as a commercial lawyer and market analyst. So um, that was a very big transition. And then coming to London and sort of um, grasping what it meant to to go into the industry and and working in in an environment that is a lot more dynamic and creative. um, That was definitely another big transition it meant a lot of soul searching and looking for what it means to be resilient to me um and I think if I look back in my previous career 
I, I could definitely tell that I was somebody that thrives on working by themselves. And I much preferred having that anatomy and not really working in a collaborative experience, but then coming into fashion and seeing, you know, how everyone's different experiences and, and kind of takes and perspective feeds into an end result, an end creative result that is so, so much more interesting and so much more engaging and, and a lot more fun to produce. So that was another big transition that I had to do in the way um, that I've been working, but it's been great. Super. Thank you very much. Uh, Lam, do you have anything to feed on this at all? Actually, for me, it's uh, I study abroad and big change in my life. So, uh, I graduated from a, a university in Vietnam. So studying abroad is an opportunity for me to gain new knowledge. So it's like I can step out of my box and go on a new journey. But however, it means I will have to live far away from my family, so uh, and and have to deal with the problem by myself. But I think all of them uh, is the part of growing up. No, yeah, definitely, and um, you know, it's such a big step. You know, moving so far away from your family, you demonstrated so much resilience there. So um, and as you know, as Cheryl was saying, it's a completely different. Like everyone, everyone demonstrates different ways of being resilient and. I've never done anything like that before. I don't know many people that have. So it's it's, you know, such a big step and very impressive. I think we're going to talk about barriers to change now. Cheryl, have you got anything to feed in here at all? Yeah, just going back to the resilience thing as well. Just one more thought I had on that was that people think of it as a trait and it's it's important to not see resilience as a trait. It's something that can be learned. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have certainly become more resilient as I've got older, that's for sure. Um, but just different experiences can make you more uh, resilient, um, different ways of doing things. So it's not a trait because you hear people say things like, you know, she or he is resilient, but it's not something it, it's important to not see it that way. It's something that, you know, if we practice, then we can certainly get a lot better at. So I think that's uh, important to remember as well. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, I remember mm. that as well. Like when I first left uh, university, I felt like I didn't really sort of understand, like, you know, I, I knew, you know, you have to like apply for jobs and, and I knew how to apply for jobs but then it's like actually learning how to do an interview how to write a CV and yeah. um, and I just experienced so many knockbacks you know like yeah. so, so many rejections and at first it was quite like disheartening but it, I learned from that experience so much and yeah yeah like you know I'm, I'm definitely more resilient now as a result of yeah. that and some of these are just learning, you know, processes. That's all. It's not even, a, I mean, they make you more resilient, but they're just something you have to go through. It's something you have to learn, you know, and I think that's really important. I, this is expression that I used to find really cheesy, but I think it's like, I really love it now that feedback is a gift. So sometimes you, um, you know, you go through these situations, whether it's knockbacks for a job or, you know, you didn't do something as well. And, you know, you get some kind of feedback. It might be sort of formal feedback. It might be some sort of general comments it might be the feedback might be the experience itself but um all of that you know is a gift because actually you grow the most in life on that feedback on those experiences you know we could all go and hide away in a corner and you know and that's um you know certain times would certainly feel a lot easier but we wouldn't (laughs) grow we wouldn't develop we need to have all of those learning experiences so if you can see them as a really positive thing whether they're good bad constructive 
you know that that kind of life experience and those that feedback really is a gift and I used to hear that expression I used to think oh how cheesy but actually I, I really believe that now that it really is a gift and I, I once read that um that 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 you have to you might have to evolve at least five times in your life and I always thought that was a really interesting point to put, actually put a figure to it because I don't think we often see it like that and that's been quite helpful for me and some of my clients as well to sort of help with that transition because sometimes we want to stay a student or we want to stay you know doing a certain thing because we've developed some expertise or we're quite good at it or we want to stay in a peer group because we really enjoy those those friends and it's hard to sort of move on but actually recognizing that and I like the idea of just giving it a number it might be 10 times for you I've certainly had to evolve several times in my life I'm, I'm a mum I'm you know I had to go from being a student to a psychologist I had to uh, change during COVID I had to change my whole business model so I've certainly had to do that but I quite like that idea that at different times we evolve into different things and different people so I think that's um I think that's a lovely idea, isn't it, to put a figure to it. And sorry, you you were going to say about barriers, and I started. I yeah. think I went off on a tangent, but hopefully you no, don't mind. I, I, I do it's that. A, it's a good tangent, please. Uh, more that. <laughs> as, as psychologists, like a like a tangent. But I think in terms of the barriers to change, I mean, I think, you know, there's loads. But just going back to what I was talking about before, some of the sort of personality differences, I think, are barriers, um, but not necessarily, you know, in a, in, a, in a bad way. I think we just, again, it's useful to think about um, you and, and, and what you're like as a person. And one, one of the models I use when I do training is a really simple sort of explanation of, of personality. There's much more kind of in-depth um, models but this this is a good one just because people can get it very quickly but the idea is that you know we have people that um, and I kind of picked up on this before that are very um, people people you know very amiable uh, types um, we have people that are all drivers and they just want to get things done and achieve a lot of stuff we have people that are expressives and really like to do things differently and, and, and in creative ways and we have people that really focus on on detail there's a very you know crude explanation of, of personality but it does you know it's a good starting point for a discussion on you know if you think about it it actually will some of those things will then affect how you perceive change and transition so and what you need therefore so for example as um you know an expressive I like to do things very differently and very creative so the whole you know obviously didn't enjoy it covid no one en enjoyed it but I think that for me I was able to quickly get to the point where I was thinking, well, OK, we can do things differently. How can we rework training courses that we do? How can we see this as an opportunity? How can we do more stuff online and all the things that I was kind of trying to do before COVID anyway? So for me, it was kind of using the opportunity. But for someone perhaps who likes tried and tested ways of doing things, if you're someone who likes information to be quite black and white and you need detail and and um you know a clear sort of path then actually you know some a, tr a new change a transition can be harder because sometimes if you're faced with ambi ambiguous information that can seem a little bit harder so it doesn't mean to say that you can't enjoy the change or transition it just means that you might want to think about what you need 
So you might say, okay, this is a new, you know, um, thing for me. It's starting a new course. It's doing something different. What's going to make me feel better about it? Well, I'd feel a lot better if I knew exactly where I was going, what I can be faced, you know, what I'm going to be faced with, what I'm doing that first term. If that's, you know, if you're a detail person, um, you know, if you're more of a sort of bigger picture person, driver, focusing more on the end point, you might want to think about, OK, so what's my vision here? What am I trying to do? What's my uh, what am I trying to achieve? And therefore, what do I need to do over the next, you know, couple of years to really achieve that? What do I need to do in the next month to really get those things going? So. And, you know, if you're a people person, you know, um, and I am. So when I started university, what was really important for me is to build those relationships really quickly. So I really focused on that because I knew once I had my little social network, then I'd, you know, I'd feel a lot better. And that's what helps keep me resilient. So just a kind of couple of, sort of headlines there in terms of what can get in the way, but also how how can you use that? How can you use your understanding of yourself to, um, you know, to do something to do something different? Um, and normally, you know, when we talk about the fear of change, it's not that we don't want the change. It's that we haven't really serviced that, to use want of a better term, but we haven't sort of serviced that part of our personality and we're not really respecting that part you know that those those um, parts of our personality that we really need to be conscious of because again as i said at the beginning we all need very different things yeah if anyone has anything to feed into that tool uh, maya do you have anything to add at all yeah i think you've mentioned this before but i think the need to constantly remain a student no matter how long your career um or how far in your career you've you've gone um it's definitely something that's helped me deal with the changes that i've gone through in my career um and even when you get to a point where you're an expert in your field or you feel very confident in what it is that you bring to the table just the notion that people that you work with even if they're your uh, junior employees or, or people who are less experienced but it could be you know some some feedback or some advice or or a perspective that you hadn't considered before that could be so enriching to um, the mutual goal or whatever it is you're working towards together. Um, I think that's something both that I've been trying to practice as I've gone through change, but also something that managers I've appreciated and managers that I felt were able to um, help me grow and develop my, and nurture my growth. Um, it's something that they did as well. So. Now, yeah, f- feedback is definitely really important. That is uh, advice I would give to anybody on their career journey. Definitely ask for as much feedback as possible because, you know, with that, you know, that helps you develop as a professional and as a person as well. But also being open to getting that feedback from everyone, just everyone around you, appreciating their opinions and experiences and values. Just on that, not that this is a talk about feedback, but I think I, I end up talking about feedback so much and I have huge views on it. In fact, I don't even like the word feedback because I think the moment you say to someone, can you give me some feedback? There's some very interesting psychological dynamics between you. You know, the other person's thinking, can they take it? Can I actually give this feedback? Do they really want it? So I always say to people, like, if you're going to ask for feedback, a really just constructive and, and positive yeah. way to do this is just say something. Try and avoid the word if you can. The other term no, right. I really dislike is constructive criticism. Anyone ever heard that? <laughs> I can't bear 
married. There is no word that you can put before criticism that makes it sound okay. So <laughs> try and delete that from your from your vocabulary. But something that I encourage people to do when they really genuinely want the feedback is is to ask it in a way where you say something like, you know, what's going well and what could what could I do differently? Because that really gives the other person a really clear way of, you know, because otherwise what you get is if you say give me some feedback, people say no, you did that really well, and some that's nice to hear, but sometimes it's not really the bit that you that you want. But if you say give me some constructive criticism, you know, that's really hard on the other person because there's too many dynamics there. So I always just say, you know, what what what's going, you know, what did I do well? What could I do differently? And that's just such a nice way of opening that conversation and, and telling people, you know, what they need to give you and giving them per, the permission to do that. And I find if you do it in that way, people will, you know, give you some good thoughts and ideas and also tell you the bit that you did well, which we all like to hear, don't we? So always nice. <laughs> yeah definitely i mean you know like like you're saying with with like constructive criticism you're essentially not really telling the person what they've done well at all and it's, yeah you know, it can sort of deter yes from wanting to do it again yeah, definitely <laughs> and if we're talking about resilience you know the last thing you want is to be battered with some awful feedback or or not given the you know developmental feedback you need and that doesn't help you become resilient so i think it's just about how we have those really powerful but constructive conversations but do know that other people find it hard to sometimes give that information so make it easy on them be kind <laughs> no yeah for sure and because yeah like some people might not be able to take like you said feedback in inverted commas like very well if it's literally yeah. just kind of negative i guess what's going well what can we do differently i, I love that 100 percent, completely agree um if i Madis could add something sorry <laughs> no worries no worries uh, people just jump in honestly yeah please <laughs> Um, when I was working at the business of fashion, I was working on the careers beat and part of that meant that I was uh, interviewing people from the industry on advice on how to first move up the um, corporate ladder, but also how to be better at their job. And one of the advice that we that I received from one of my interviewees at the time was to assume good intent or assume that whenever someone is making a mistake, it's not because they are mm -hmm. trying to sabotage the work, but just, you know, They've done this because of whatever reason made them believe it's the best solution. Yeah. So trying to figure out, oh, how did you come to believe that? And actually what we need is X, something different. Um, and that creates like a much more compassionate work environment. Brilliant. Really good. Maya, love that because one of the things I often talk about this, um, this model called the ladder of inference and it's effectively explains what happens in, in the brain all the time, kind of when we're, you know, making assumptions about things and, and, and working with any kind of information. And I get people thinking about it because actually what we tend to do. So the idea is that we have data and from that data, whatever it is, whether it's someone talking to us, you know, um, um, sitting in a training course, whatever, we have some information. We we assume things we conclude in you know something from that uh, assumption we form beliefs and we take action and the classic thing uh, the example I often give you know as a um, as a trainer you know uh, I, someone might be on their phone and I'm assuming they don't really want to be there um, and then you know that could really affect me because I'm thinking oh they don't really want to be here they don't they want to be in my course they're not enjoying it and I form these beliefs and I might take action I might not really engage with them and focus on 
the lovely Connell, who's been really engaged my, the whole session, you know, and then, but we then create a reality from that because actually maybe we're assuming the wrong thing. We're assuming bad intent, like you say, Maya. So it's a really good point, point. And that often if we just think about that and then if, what if we just assume something else? What if I assumed that this person was on their phone because you know, they're making notes because they're loving the session <laughs> or they have something really important or they're helping someone. You know, there's always a different world of, you know, a different reality if we assume something else. And often we're not right. And the example actually for you as students going into a new situation, we can assume, you know, like the classic thing, if you go into a networking event you know you might assume oh you know I don't really like this person they didn't seem very friendly or um, they didn't like me they didn't really talk maybe that person was really nervous maybe that person you know has never done anything like that maybe that person you know has had a bad experience so if we assume actually everyone in this room probably wants me to go and talk to them they probably want to you know meet people they're probably really friendly they might just be nervous they might you know any of these things then we create a whole different reality so Try and think about that on those classic, you know, new events that you might be going to, um, you know, social events, networking events, working in a new group. Um, and I like how you uh, define that, assuming good intent. And that's exactly what the, the ladder of inference does. And again, I think it's a great life skill. I've used that so many times myself in tricky situations where I think, I could assume that or I could assume something nicer. And actually, it's often led to really nice results, which we have the time. I'll tell you about some of those lovely stories. But another podcast. No, thank you so much. That was really interesting. Um, Madison, have you got anything to add at all? Um, it's not um, on the feedback, but more um, a bit back to the resilience. Um, for my final project at uni, I focused on creating a publication that was focused on addressing some of the difficulties you face when you're a young creative about to go into the industry in London. And I wrote an article where I interviewed three girls that were in different entry level positions. And what they all said was like they'd had so many knockbacks, but all the like small highlight moments, like they were there a lot of highs, a lot of lows, but all the highs like make it worth it. So it's also just to keep yourself going. And they, they almost felt they'd learned the most from those low moments or maybe for lack of a better word, they'd gotten bad feedback from a job they'd done. But they also had to remind themselves they are in an entry level job. They're there to learn like they don't know everything at this point. They haven't been in the job for 10, 15 years. It's a great point. And I think I always say that to clients, you know, it's nice to have positive experiences. It's nice to work with great people, all of those things. But you don't learn half as much as you do when things are tricky or hard or, you know, and, and that's so true. Some of the times you would have developed the most in your life or learned the most, is, you know, in those in those tough or new, tricky, hard situations. Um, you know, and I often say that to managers as well. I say it's great to have a nice team you know that do everything you say but actually <laughs> we're not doing everything you say but you know that where it goes really well and you don't really have to pick up on performance and these things but actually when you have to do that and you have to learn how to manage really well and you have to learn to work with different people or you know you have to learn a new skill or you know it might be a new subject at, at university that you think oh this is really hard but you know your learning curve is so much steeper but more exciting as well so um, um, yeah, again, I think that's a, a really positive reframe. 
Definitely, I think um, some really great points there, 100%. Um, Lam, do you have anything to add at all? Actually, uh, there is a problem for me, which is finding a part-time job. I have quite a lot of experience in Vietnam in fashion industry, such as uh, self marketing position and also fashion design too. Last month, I took part in the CV review for first year student of LCF. And my tutor comment that I would quite, uh, my CV quite good, many experience. However, it's still hard for me to find a part-time job from the beginning of this year to the end of my first year. And moreover, employer also don't comment on my CV, so I don't know uh, what I should change. But but I think I will still persist to apply job next year. Persistence is everything, Lam. That's the spirit. <laughs> no, yeah, one hundred percent. And um, you know, when when you're looking for jobs, it is it's really important. You just got to keep keep trying, persist. I mean, I I got so many knockbacks as well, just like that. Just keep at it, and um, you know, keep accessing all the resources that are available to you. Uh, so earlier we discussed significant changes you guys have faced in the past and everything that came with them. But now what we want us to do is look back on exactly how you dealt with the challenges and the steps you took to do so. Uh, Maya, do you want to start things off with this one? I think what's helped me through these different transitions was always maintaining a strong sense of self. And what I mean by that is feeling really confident and constantly bolstering and building up my skill set so that I have the confidence or the uh, sort of assurance of of knowing that I'm capable of dealing with whatever comes next, even if I am going into an unfamiliar environment. Um, So it could be things like upscaling, like, for example, since I've started working freelance, uh, I also took up um, like digital marketing marketing course um, or things like that, but also reaching out to people in my network and asking for advice and saying, okay, I feel maybe I don't have um, as rich or elaborate portfolio as I would like. So why not get a few of my uh, fellow graduate creatives and, and just help each other out in building those things together? So I think, yeah, sort of pushing yourself into exploring new territories, upskilling and building confidence in the different practices that you can that you can master, and then also reaching out and leaning on your network to help further develop what you're doing. Really, really um, great points. And this just the um, uh, point around confidence. Again, it's one of those words I think we all use, don't we? And I think it's a another tricky one like resilience. Um, confidence. I actually wrote a whole book called Confidence Confidence because I <laughs> my the whole premise of the book was that I don't really believe that confidence exists in the way we think it does. I mean, we definitely have pockets of confidence for sure, but I think we're I, I call it a, a mythical creature that we're all you know searching for we think everyone else has it and we, you know we don't but my experience of uh, as a psychologist of 24 years I've rarely met anyone who have who ever has across the board um, confidence and that could be you know I've worked with CEOs of, of banks and um, uh, lawyers and all sorts and you know very very few people have this across the board confidence in fact it is just not normal so again I think it's about I think we're often focusing on the wrong thing there. So I, I often 
get people to think about, you know, what can give you the greatest impact? What can you learn? What can, where can you focus on, you know, your strengths? Where can you put in extra effort? So I really like the, the points that, that Maya was um, making there. So don't worry if you don't feel confident, you know, you may never feel completely confident. And that's, that's fine. I think that can be a real driver. Um, I'd say even now in, as a you know psychologist for as long as I have been you know I wouldn't ever feel you know I know what I know and I feel sort of confident in in that but I'm constantly striving to do more and learn more and you know and uh, so that that's that's fine to feel like that so um, I think it's important to think about where your gaps are as Maya said in in your knowledge um, and actually something I was going to talk about before in in terms of barriers um, there's a, something called the Dunning-Kruger effect I don't know if you've ever heard of it where we can greatly overestimate our own knowledge or competence <laughs> Um, relative to objective criteria so Maya's point about keep trying to um, learn and push forward is really important for example there was this uh, piece of research which suggested that 88 percent of people think they're above average driving um, you know ability which is you know obviously 88 percent of people cannot be above average if you think about a normal sort of distribution <laughs> curve um, most people think they're above average um, in terms of their you know IQ um, most people think they're above average in terms of their health so I just think it's a really interesting thing to think about so where where might those possible gaps be for you? Where might you be overestimating your, your you know, some abilities? It might be things you are absolutely brilliant at and, and be proud of those and be confident in those. But if there's things that you're not so sure about, then then fine, you know, spend some time developing those. And I ask myself that all the time. Where are the areas that I might be overestimating my own ability and what do I need to do about it? So just wanted to pick up on, on Maya's point there of pushing forward and and uh, just you know having a sort of lifelong learning approach is that what you'd sort of see it as Maya do you see yourself as a kind of lifelong student yeah I think it's maintaining that openness to maybe I don't know everything and the more mm. I learn the more I need to learn yeah. that, sense. So that having yeah. that mindset I find to be what the biggest driver in in growth and kind of yeah. development yeah really nice I just want to caveat that. Sorry, um, Shell. What about um, underestimating yourself? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, underestimating yeah. how good you are at certain things. I think that's something that I mean, a lot of people struggle with within like, you know, their career journey. Feeling like imposter syndrome It's something oh, I've definitely struggled with anyway. Oh, definitely. And yes, you know, yes, we have to do something about our weaknesses and that's really important, but it's equally as important to focus on our strengths. And I often use this little metaphor. If you like a visual, you're like this of a boat. So if you think about a boat in, in the metaphor, you're the boat. <laughs> and if there's some holes in the boat, you know, and it, they were below the waterline, you might need to quickly plug those holes so the boat doesn't sink. So if if in the context of your world or your life, you need a particular skill and you don't have it you're going to need to really focus on that and address that weakness um, to to be successful in whatever you want to do but sometimes we have holes above the waterline where yes they're weaknesses and they lit in a bit of water now and again but they're not you know they're not going to sink you and I think that we spend a lifetime sometimes focusing on all of the weaknesses we have all the holes in our boat when we just don't really need to there might be one or two that are very specific to what you want to achieve in life mine was public speaking believe it or not that was one of the holes in my boat and 
um, in, in my 20s. And I thought this is actually I, I need to be able to do this in reality. And I started focusing on that. And actually now it's my favorite thing in the world to do. But as part of the metaphor as well, we talk about strengths and the strengths in the metaphor are the cells. Um, and so it's equally as important to not just plug holes because you can spend your life just you know, plug in holes, but you don't actually get anywhere. And if you think of your strengths as like sails, it's your the sails that are going to help you, you know, glide across the water to get you to your destination. And, you know, they're going to it's going to feel really good to get those sails up. So I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, sometimes there can be an overestimation, there can be an underestimation. The point is that it's about balance. And if you haven't ever done this do this after this podcast sit down and see if you can write down three strengths you know whether whether it's about people whether it's about connecting whether it's about data whether it's about analysis whatever it is for you write down those three strengths and then put them somewhere put them next to your laptop put them on your bathroom mirror and just let that sink in for a while because I think we spend so much time thinking about all the things that we can't do that we sometimes forget what what we can do and and it's not just writing it down it's really allowing that to sink into your brain and that's why I like posting them around around your house so that you know if I said to you you know Maya what are your top three strengths you wouldn't even have to think about it and it's not about boasting it's not being about you know being immodest it's about just having that balance it's about knowing how you put your sales up no I, I really like that i think that's great advice um and yeah i really appreciate that um I, it's that's something i definitely will do as well i will do that exercise thank you very much show uh, madison can i just quickly ask you how did you overcome the challenges that you faced what were the steps that you took so for me, it was so I'm from Denmark. So I moved to London for um, university. So one of the main things for me after graduating as well is, oh, did I actually want to stay in London, which was like an added aspect of figuring out what I wanted to do. And then um, my mom was like, you need to at least like look at the bigger picture, as Cheryl mentioned earlier, at least like for the next year. What do you want to do? Make a decision. Because if I was like constantly going back and forth on what I wanted to do, I just felt confused every day. I was like, what am I actually doing? Am I applying to jobs here? Am I going to go somewhere else? So for me, it was like, what do I want to do the next year? Coming to terms with that and then like sticking with that decision, which is now I'm going to do another year in London, apply to jobs here, test out how it is living in London when you're not a student, but a young working professional instead expensive Madison that's what yeah. it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's also why I just about but I'm sure it'll be fine <laughs> with no student discounts it is expensive <laughs> yeah yeah I my student ID runs out like mid-July so I'm taking advantage of it until then <laughs> do it yeah do all those things where you get discounts right now <laughs> Lam can I get your take on this um how have you come overcome the challenges that you faced what were the steps that you took Mm, so is study abroad is a chance for me to grow and you know also I have to live far from my family so to overcome the difficulty in uh, studying and uh, living in a new environment family is is a great motivation for me so I always share with my parents about joy and sorrow in life so despite being far away I always feel they are there to support me and give me advice 
So I can call and chat with them on the social media app. So we can you know, call whenever we miss each other. Uh, moreover, I I also asked my friend from Vietnam. They have spent one more than one year living and studying in the UK, so they can help me uh, and answer my question about life in London. And and my teacher, college staff, and my international friend in my class they also helped me to solve my problem in studying culture and life. Yeah, I think there are many support from everywhere. I think that's great advice. Yeah, definitely um, accessing your support network whenever you can. Um, you know, that, that's what they're there for. So I, th- I think that's really great advice. Um, lastly, I just want to ask you guys for one bit of advice for anybody listening at home. What would you say? Madison, do you want to kick, kick us off with this one? Yeah, I think... Just uh, yeah, being open to any project. If like anyone from a different course approaches you to collaborate, I know we've had to do that throughout my course. Um, just say yes, because you learn so much from those experiences, even though you may think that it's not relevant to your course. You still learn so much and you might make a new friend and someone that you can bring with you when you enter the industry later on. Brilliant. Thank you very much. That's uh, some great advice. Maya, um, have you got any advice for anybody listening at home? Um, yeah, I think first build yourself to be your own best advocate. And what I mean by that is doing research into, you know, Cheryl was talking before about different ways of being resilient um, and how some people look a bigger picture. Some people um, need to focus like a more detail oriented planning. But I think knowing, for example, I want to be a fashion designer. What does that mean? What are my opportunities? Who are the de- designers I'm looking up to? What were their trajectories like? What it is that they, the skills that they um, have and, and made sure to master in order to reach the um, position they, they currently hold um, and kind of breaking that down for yourself um, to know what your journey might look like or aspirationally, aspirationally what it might look like. Um, And then second, just going back to what I said earlier about building a sense of self, which is kind of, I mean, I guess in the same vein of getting those skills and yeah, like having a very secure idea of what it is that you're good at, what, where it is that you want to go and that you are competent and and skilled enough to get there. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Uh, Lam, have you got anything to add at all? I think uh, life changing and diverse do not come without challenges so we we need to try to improve ourselves and be ready to adapt to overcome barriers so don't hesitate to ask and seek help from uh, school teacher and friend we not only can solve our problem but we also build many new relationships Brilliant. Thank you so much for that, guys. Um, finally, Cheryl, have you got any advice for anybody listening home in regards <laughs> you know, to managing change? You know, I've got uh, I could talk about this stuff for days. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to have something to say. Um, look, I mean, there's so, so much. But I suppose in a, in a nutshell, what I would say, folks, is um, think about kind of three aspects, I suppose. Think, feel, do. You know, how can you think? 
differently about the situation. I spoke about that ladder of inference before. How can you reframe it? So whether it's a, a tough or difficult new thing, how can you reframe that to something? Um, how can you assume something different? Because, you know, if we assume different things, then we often get very different results. So thinking in a different way. Um, Satya Nadella from Microsoft um, said we've got to start embracing not knowing. So embracing the ambiguity and shifting from knowing everything to to know it all to learn it all and I really like that as a as an idea so you know it doesn't matter if you don't know it all it doesn't matter if you don't know what the future holds it doesn't matter if if you feel like I don't have all the answers you know if you can just shift from that know it all to learn it all mindset that's really important and one of the biggest things I think that life skill again that I think is really important is just to be curious if you're in a curious mindset then you will think about things differently you will have that reframe so I think thinking differently is really important um I'd say feel, you know, uh, second part of that is is what you, can you do to feel uh, different? So, you know, that might be, as I say, tapping into what do you need as a as a person? What's your personality? What is it that's going to be really useful for, for you? And how can you sort of service that part of your of your personality um, and and shift your you know thoughts around that? I once read um, uh, something where they said, whatever you feel, you can change it in a heartbeat. And I really love love that idea because sometimes we can be feeling really stressed about something and this person said you know we don't we're not stressed we do stress so you do the actions don't you and you do the behaviors with it but you can actually change whatever you're feeling in a in a heartbeat so if you just kind of sometimes reframe some of that and say no this is going to be a positive experience i am going to meet people they they do want to meet me you can actually change how you feel and then the last one is is do so think feel do and the do is the behavioral stuff so if you're not knowing where to start some of the things that you know everyone's spoken about already write a three-point action list you know what's going to make you feel better about the change who do you need to speak to what are the experiences you need to get what's the information you need don't overwhelm yourself three i love the power of three for everything you know just three things that you can do um starting from from now but the most important thing as i say is is having that curious mindset and that curious mindset will take you very far in life for sure that's me some great advice from you all there yeah i just want to say a massive thank you to you all thank you so much cheryl for co-hosting with me and you're welcome it's wonderful thank you everyone no worries you were great you offered really uh interesting insight um, from very different perspectives so, yeah i really appreciate you jumping on this with me uh, I also want to say a massive thank you, Madison, Lamb and Maya. You guys were great. Really appreciate all of your insight as well. It was you know, it was really great having you on. I just want to remind everyone at home, you are listening to the Careers in Fashion podcast. You can tap into the Graduate Futures resources via our Moodle. Um, you can contact us anytime as well. Um, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, goodbye, everyone. Thank you, Kyle. Good luck, everyone. Good luck with your job hunting, too. Thank <laughs> you.